Hello and welcome to the 206 podcast where we talk about movies with the people who make them. My name is Mark Morin and I'm speaking with Shalini Kantaya, director of a fascinating documentary called Coded Bias. Shalini, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, now this film, it sort of goes down a rabbit hole of discoveries that are made regarding bias and facial recognition algorithms and artificial intelligence. A lot of stuff that we really don't know much about right now as a general public. What was the starting point and wanting to make this film? And was there a particular moment where you said, hey, I need to tell this story? Well, I think that I sort of stumbled down the rabbit hole. I have this fascination with disruptive technology. I'm sort of a science and science fiction fanatic. And I stumbled upon the, a TED Talk by Joy Bellamini and subsequently uh, read a book called Weapons of Mass Destruction by Kathy O'Neill and then Algorithms of Oppression by Cynthia Moja Noble and then uh, Artificial Intelligence by uh, Meredith Broussard and sort of stumbled down the rabbit hole of the dark side of big tech. And I think, you know, I didn't really realize until making the film how humans are outsourcing our decision making to machines in such intimate ways. I mean, making decisions that govern human opportunity, like who gets healthcare, who gets a job, who gets into college, who gets undue police scrutiny. And what was most shocking of what I learned in the making of the film was that these systems that we have begun to trust so implicitly to make decisions that govern human destinies have not been vetted for racial or gender bias. They've not been vetted for sort of unintended consequences oftentimes. And oftentimes they're not even vetted for accuracy by independent outside reviewers. And so what I began to see and the worry that I had in the making of Coded Bias is that we could roll back 50 years of civil rights advances under this myth that machines are neutral. Yeah, that was really the, the main thing that stuck out to me was the impact it could have on everybody. One of the main things I was impressed with with the film was your ability to include so much information and how the technology affects people in so many different ways all over the world, really, not, not just here in the States. I imagine you could have kept digging forever, but at some point there's a film that has to be made, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I always joke that I, I couldn't talk to people at parties for two years because <laughs> there was so much for me to digest in this film that it was so hard for me to explain what I was working on. And so, yes, there's so much on the cutting room floor I could easily have made a, a six-part series. One of the things that's been top of mind, I guess not just for myself, but everybody this year, obviously, is how, how much the pandemic has taken over the world. And one thing that I have mixed thoughts about is the use of contact tracing apps and other forms of similar technology. Now, I see this stuff used effectively in countries like China, South Korea, for example, partly because of how their technology and culture already exists. Now, while I would like to see this type of technology used to help here in the States, I don't really see how it could be effectively deployed, mainly because what you show in the film is that you can't trust the data or how it's being used. But can you speak on that? And I'm really interested in how you also included the perspective of the young Chinese woman as a counterpoint. 
Well, it's true that, you know, whether we're talking about corporate surveillance or state surveillance, that citizens in the U.S. don't have any um, legal protections that govern our data, unlike the U.K. And so what that means is here in the U.S., it's sort of like a wild, wild west. We've not yet understood, and our legislators have not yet understood, you know, that data rights actually are essential to civil rights and to human rights. And so, um, you know, in the film, you sort of see this other approach to, to data protection, which is um, China, which has unfettered access to people, to their country citizens' data. And what is so interesting is that the skateboarder in China, the citizen of Hangzhou, says, oh, this is great, you know, everything is so efficient and I don't have to know anyone. I, I, I can just go by their social credit score. And I and I use that as a sort of the Black Mirror episode inside of the documentary that shows us where we're going here if we don't have some data protection don't sort of get clear-eyed about what we're giving up in this race to efficiency. When you started out this project, did you have an idea of the scope that it was going to entail? I mean, because it does go all over the world and covers so many different topics, like, or did it really just open up for you as you were doing your research? In all truth, I, I feel like oftentimes interviewers uh, talk to me like I had this like very deliberate plan, but I think <laughs> in this particular case, the subject matter was unfolding so quickly and changing in real time in front of me. It was hard mm. to keep up with the news. And I think that a lot of it was just following my research and the research really guided me. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about Joy Bolamwini for a moment. Uh, she's obviously a brilliant woman, and she also has this energy and creativity that's, I mean, it's basically just impossible to ignore. So what was your experience in working with her and getting to know her? Well, you know, it was amazing to see her go from the initial discovery of, you know, just not making the art, you know, trying to make an art project work and the camera not seeing her face to testifying in D.C. It was just when we had filmed her testifying in D.C., that's when I knew I had a story. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, her journey, you know, it is really kind of a hero's journey in, in a sense. It, it, I, I felt it was a bit of an origin story for her. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Marvel and superheroes and that type of stuff. So I also love the idea of this algorithmic Justice League that we have in the documentary as well. I also love how through the documentary, it's like you pulled together this group of women, not just Joy, but all these other women, including several women of color who are fighting back against this technology. So it seems like that was a natural result of the technology bias, that that's who would be the ones that were fighting back against it. But was there also an intent for you to, to say, hey, look at these amaz amazing women who are just doing it right now? No, actually, I mean, I am a filmmaker who's very, tends to be very conscientious about who I lend authority to in my films. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have, I didn't set out to make a film that was predominantly featured women, but my research kept leading me back. And I think as it turns out, it's actually women and people of color who are leading the fight against bias in AI. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Shifting gears a little bit away from the, you know, the story of the film, but just a couple questions. Like, who inspires you as a filmmaker? Oh, 
I love the work of Wong Kar Wai. Mm. He's a, a, a Hong Kong-based director I really love. In science fiction, my favorite sci-fi movie is a film called Gattaca by Andrew Nichols. I love his work. You know, as a South Asian, I, I love the work of um, a lot of British Asian filmmakers. Uh, filmmakers like... Um, Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> I'm so brain dead from doing interviews. Oh, my beautiful laundrette and um, my son, the fanatic, and Honey Crazy. Um, Honey Crazy. Mm. And I feel like a really wide, eclectic group, um, you know, makers of world cinema. Yeah, that is a really, really good mix of influences there. Now, did you originally set out to be a documentary filmmaker or do you have plans for narrative films as well? Or what, what's the path that, that you see yourself on? I think it's people outside, it's the sort of people who are not filmmakers who tend to pigeonhole you into one genre mm. or the other. Um, <laughs> I think that I've always made both fiction and, and documentary and I find them to be very related. I feel like all of my films feel like are pushing that limit to right now and five minutes into the future. I love to live right. in that space. Well, you, you mentioned Gattaca, so that, I think that has a lot of parallel there. Who would you say is the biggest influence for you that's not a filmmaker? Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, the person that comes to mind is actually Oprah. Oh, wow. <laughs> she's so positive. She's so positive about what yeah. she does and the roles that she takes and the integrities that that she has in all of her work. I think, oh, I would tell you a filmmaker that I really also admire is Ang Lee. And the reason that I love Ang Lee's work is that he can do anything. He can do like gay cowboys, <laughs> 17th century, Chinese martial arts, Indian Fantasia. Like he has such a wild variety of genres and such a range and he does them all so brilliantly. And I think he uses his identity as a global citizen to access all those worlds. And it just, I feel like because he's such a sensitive, he has to be, I've never met him or seen interviews with him, but mm. I imagine that him to be a very sensitive human because he's able to access all of those different worlds of humanity. So I strive to be a filmmaker like that, who's not limited to portraying one narrow identity in film. And then, you know, but to something universal that speaks to the human experience. And then I think, let me think about, oh, um, <laughs> I love, I love the, um, I'm very inspired by the story of a lot of women astronauts. I tend to like stories that have to do with Sally Ride or um, Mae Jameson or Culpa Mitella, these sort of women who were pioneering in STEM. I think that I'm always inspired by stories like that, like people who pioneered and overcame impossible odds, showed, it, showed the rest of us how far we can go. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of the defining characteristics of the people that you're mentioning is they're fearless, they're very creative, and they're not afraid to push boundaries. And, and to be honest with you, that's really a lot of what I got out of your documentary is those same qualities. You really had to push some boundaries and have a bit of a fearless nature to wanting to put all of this information out there. Now, have you received any pushback from the technology companies in, in any way, I guess, both while you're making the film and then since the film's come out? Uh, no, actually the opposite. I, it was, it's sort of very scary, especially when you're an independent filmmaker to sort of put yourself out there against the richest and most powerful, one of the richest <laughs> and most powerful industries in the world. But I think that remarkably the response has been warm. 
I think Facebook, Google, they've all invited me to do screenings of this film for their employees. And I think it speaks to the fact that I think the tech companies are not our enemy. I think they can be a partner in making change. And I think there's many very well-intentioned, very smart people that work at these companies. And we just have to put some heat on them to address a problem that they know exists. It's a really interesting way to look at it because I think it's really easy to just put one side against the other. But yeah, I think it does show, your documentary itself does show that a lot of people are coming from a place of just not understanding or not knowing what's going on. So yeah, hopefully that continues. When watching the movie, there was, I guess, intensity might be the right word that I'm trying to come up with about, you know, it just feels very urgent and, you know, there's a lot of emotions going on and I'll just go back to that word. There's a level, level of intensity that's palpable. So when it comes to watching movies myself, I'm all about how we connect to them emotionally. And I feel like you did a good job of creating something that will affect or that does affect people emotionally. What is the one thing that you want people to feel? after watching this film. I want them to feel their own power to make a difference on these issues. Mm. I, I hope that the film starts to level the playing field because I think that knowledge is power and for a lot of us we feel scared to talk about something like uh, machine learning or algorithms or artificial intelligence. I know I did and I've now presented to many groups of engineers at this point and it was very humbling <laughs> for me. But I hope with the, because these algorithms are going to transform civil society, there's got to be a larger group of stakeholders at the table. So I hope that people will feel their power to educate themselves to learn about these issues, to not be scared about some stuff that is math because it's going to impact their opportunities and their lives in, in real tangible ways. And to feel their power to question these systems and to know, to feel when they've been the subject of a predatory algorithm and to start to question these systems and to advocate for change. And I think that um, there are lots of great groups that are, that are working on these issues. That's what I hope that the film does, makes people yeah, absolutely. I think it really does introduce these concepts that are so foreign because they're so forward and you know not really things that we understand. So that that's a great way to look at it. Any last thoughts before we wrap things up? No, just that the film is having its national theatrical release in 70 movie theaters across the country and you can support a local um, movie house and a local cinema to survive the pandemic and also support the film by streaming from home. And you can go to the codedbias.com website backslash virtual cinema and find a cinema that you want to be there after this is all over and stream the film from your from the safety of your home. That is perfect. Shalini, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and thank you for making this documentary as well. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Coded Bias is now available to watch in select theaters through virtual cinemas and has been featured in film festivals around the world. Go to CodedBias.com to learn more about the film and to see how and where you can watch it today. This is the 206 podcast where we talk about movies with the people who make them. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share on social media. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. You can find podcast episodes and all my movie reviews on 206.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mark Morin on the 206 Podcast.